Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, and this is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Tom Hart works for SEC Network. We heard him doing the Battle Hawks on ESPN. And back in his earlier days was the play-by-play man for the Knoxville Smokies when Brad Thompson was setting records for them. BT, of course, on the fast lane in the afternoons here on 101 ESPN. Tom Hart, great to have you with us. How you doing? I'm great, Randy. Michelle, thanks for having me on this morning. Tom, I, we want to get to some college football stuff with you, but we have to start with our beloved Battle Hawks and the XFL folding. I know that you were here in St. Louis and you got to see firsthand how invested we were in the Battle Hawks, and we were very bummed to hear that the league would be no longer. But we're, we're reading stories about the fact that the XFL could have a pulse and that there's investors that are interested in the XFL. But I want to ask you, do you think that with new ownership – the XFL 2.0, 3.0, whatever you want to call it, could be as successful as the early success that we saw with the league this year? Well, I think it depends on the market, Michelle. I mean, we saw what St. Louis had to offer. And if you asked me, hey, could this be a success in St. Louis and Seattle and Houston, I would say without a doubt. They ran into some issues from an attendance and support standpoint in the major, major markets. We're talking, you know, New York City and Los Angeles um, and they ran into some issues from a talent level when it came to the quarterback position, but those, the talent issues were being worked on. And, and so they were confident that that was going to improve year two. The, the value that Vince McMahon brought to the table was a, a deep pocketbook and an ego that he wasn't going to let it fail. That changed dramatically when his main business started losing millions and millions of dollars because of COVID-19. So, I still think it could be successful. Um, I know my bosses at ABC and ESPN were absolutely thrilled with the product and the ratings, and they thought it could be successful. And those of us that were involved are still holding out hope that uh, through bankruptcy court or whatever the details are um, as we speak, that somebody comes through and sees the same promise that we all did. And, Tom, because of what we saw with especially L.A. and New York, uh, apparently San Antonio was doing really well with the AAF when it was going. I look at Birmingham. I look at San Diego now being a non, non-NFL city, Oakland. Uh, perhaps the one avenue they should take is to stay away from NFL cities primarily and try to go to non-NFL cities that are hungry for pro football. Well, I think the secret is finding those markets where there is incredible civic pride and support. We know St. Louis has that. Obviously, San Antonio has shown that. Um, through their sports, Seattle, especially look at their you know, their support when it comes to um, you know professional football on Sundays. Uh, so I think I think you're onto something, but I don't think that excludes all NFL markets. Um, you know, I, I look at the way Kansas City on the other side of the state supports their teams. Mm-hmm. I think it could be a fit there. Do you have do you have room for two in one state? I don't know, but I also am not sure that people are are regularly coming from hours and hours away. Um, I think it's more of um, this is our team type pride when it comes to something like the XFL. Tom, I think a lot of us took the general stance of, hey, college football is going to find a way to get up and running even amidst a pandemic. But then we're seeing a lot of positive tests spike up, a lot of hotspots coming out of college areas and a lot of college athletes testing positive. Do you think those tests 
and what we're seeing and how the pandemic evolves has put the college football season in jeopardy at all? Well, I think the college football season is in jeopardy um, outside of the positive test. You know, whether the positives came um, in late June or they came in late July or late August, that we expected them and, and people who are involved with college football expected those to occur. Think about, though, from this perspective, think about how we think of and process positive tests with athletes now, whether it's um, Kansas State football or LSU football or Charlie Blackman or, you know, other MLB guys are going to be positive versus where we were back on March 13th when Rudy Gobert tested positive. Um, that one positive test shut down an entire league. What we're going to see going forward, I think, um, as long as they are asymptomatic or the symptoms are, are non-life-threatening for athletic people and the people in this age group, is it, um, you know, hopefully that, that we get accustomed to it. This is administration speaking, not me, but I think that they're hoping that you know, we get accustomed to positive tests and we learn how to deal with it and we can roll with it and a team can have a small number of positives and you can isolate those positives and you can continue on with the rest of your roster. If we want to have sports, that's the place that we need to get to. And that carries a very big assumption that those positive tests don't end up being hospitalizations or ventilators or anything worse than that. Tom, another tentacle here, and especially going to SEC games, is that a large part of the allure for me of the SEC is the crowds and the tradition and the tailgating. And I have to believe that'll take away a lot of the energy from even an LSU Alabama if you don't have the crowd there. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, um, I've been watching a lot of golf and NASCAR, I think, like a lot of fans, and I'm still entertained by it, but there's no doubt there's something missing. When a guy sticks um, a tee shot within 14 inches and there's no roar of the crowd, that takes something away from the viewing experience. But we're going to have to change our expectations here because that's if we want sports, that's what we're going to get at least in the short term, um, until we get a vaccine and until they can open up doors. They just announced that um, Kentucky Derby is going to have fans, how many that is, where they're located, will they have an impact on the race? I severely doubt it. But that's a good sign, as I tweeted this morning, for SEC football because Kentucky has been the slowest state within the SEC footprint to reopen. Their governor has been very deliberate about all the decisions that he's made. He's been heavily criticized because he's been – slow going so to admit that they're going to let people in the kentucky derby then um, the next step is well kentucky football opens that thursday night on september 3rd those gates maybe will be open a little bit and that can spread throughout the entire league there's going to be and we have to get accustomed to this uh, there will be uneven playing fields there will be um, some stadiums and some states that say you know what get as many people as you can in there and other states that say, no, we're not going to allow that. The local jurisdictions will say we're, we're going to severely limit that. Um, think about how mad Nick Saban's going to be if LSU can sell out and Alabama can only allow, say, 30% of their attendance. But I would say the same thing to Nick Saban that I would say to any fans who complain about that. Just be happy that we have the sport. Just be happy that the game uh, is able to kick off and then let's cross those other bridges when we get to them. 
Tom, another thing that we've seen coming out of college football is uh, players using their voice to speak out about social justice issues in a way that we've never seen it before. Here in Missouri, we saw Mizzou come together as a unit and not only peacefully protest, but march to register to vote and really make a statement. And you've seen a lot of college football coaches either really get involved with their team or kind of be uh, put on the hot seat a little bit to make a statement. Are you surprised that we've seen so many people in college football be vocal about this in a manner we never have? And do you think players now have more power than ever when it comes to using their voice? Players absolutely have more power. They've recognized this. They've realized that um, they're using it for good. Um, my, you know, I focus on Chuba Hubbard, um, who's the, one of the best running backs in college football, was an absolute workhorse for Oklahoma State last year. And he brought to light a lot of shortcomings with his coach, Mike Gundy, and who just got eviscerated in a column by Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports, how out of touch he was with his own program and not even knowing his own players' names. Um, there's, there's no room for that in college football. You're asking these guys to do a lot for the program. You're asking them to make a lot of sacrifices. Um, and there's obviously communication issues, if not leadership issues, at Oklahoma State, but I also think it says a lot about the fan bases that have now accepted this and can see it. I think about where we were at the University of Missouri, you know, under Gary Pinkles last season. That I still get Missouri fans that complain to me ad nauseum about how they were so offended that the players would stand up for what they stood up for. Now, um, is it more socially accepted now? We all know that was a, a mess in Columbia at the time. Is it more socially accepted? Are more eyes open to what some of these struggles are? Kylan Hill, the best returning running back in the SEC at Mississippi State, has said he's not going to play unless the Confederate battle flag is removed from the Mississippi State flag. It won that years ago that the Confederate battle flag itself was flying over the state capitol in Columbia, South Carolina. So there's been a, a lot of progress made, and I think it's good that these players are realizing some of this, this power. It's at, at the very least, it leads to more and better communication within those programs um, and within those campuses. And that, that's what college is supposed to be about, right? We're supposed to go to college, not just learn a trade, but learn about ourselves and find our voice and find who we are as adults. And that's part of the maturation process for all involved. Tom Hart, one last thing before we let you go. As a guy who grew up in Columbia and is a grad of Mizzou, what are your early impressions of Eli Drinkwitz? I'm impressed. I had a chance to sit down with him uh, a couple months ago when I was back in town, and uh, he's got uh, an insatiable appetite. He's got incredible energy. He finds a way to relate to players, um, and every every coach is different, and I think it's important to know your voice and to know your strengths, and I, I, I still don't know him very well, but I, whether it's, it's him or Ryan Walters, his defensive coordinator, is one of the best young coordinators in the game. Um, I think Missouri's in really, really good shape. And that comes from a guy who's a big Barry Odom fan. He's a friend of Barry's, still in. Um, and I love what Barry was able to accomplish. But I think the energy level around the program right now is different than we've seen in a long time. Tom, good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. And hopefully, hopefully we'll be hearing you do SEC football this fall. That would be wonderful. Give my best to Brad, by the way. Tell him uh, his donuts are on the way. <laughs> Will do. You got it. We'll see you later. That is uh, Tom Hart, SEC Network ESPN, with us on 101 ESPN.